Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am Trish Regan. We are brought to you, as always, by LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. Oh, my goodness, do we have some major breaking news to get to. Looks like, you know what? Joe Biden's not going to be running after all. Not if you listen to the smart money. I'm talking about what Wall Street actually thinks about 2024. Quite a massive prediction from the analyst over at J.P. Morgan. We're going to get to that. But I can't, I, I got to just back up and, and talk about what's going on at this moment in time, on this particular day, just hours after the president met with former President Barack Obama, and he kind of needled him, according to the Washington Post. They had lunch at the White House last week, and he said, you know what, buddy? Like, you got to pull it together. Your polls are abysmal. We know that. And so he encouraged him to really double down, really, really double down in ways that you just can't imagine. We're going to go to some of that sound. But the truth is, even when he doubles down, It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter because the American people look at that and say, what is he doing? I mean, think about it. The more they attack Donald Trump in this moment in time, the more Donald Trump is able to be resilient. And I mean, really resilient. We heard him over the weekend campaigning again. And he said, you know, this guy, Biden, he thinks I'm the problem. He thinks I'm the threat to democracy. No, no, no. It's the other way around. Watch the clip. These people are more dangerous than the so-called enemy. You know, uh, China, if you're smart, you can handle China. If you're smart, you can handle Russia. I ended the Russian pipeline. He approves it. Then then he says, I was soft on Russia. I was the toughest on Russia, and Putin liked me. I liked I got along. It's nice to get along with people that have nuclear weapons. Don't you think it's uh, it's really nice if you think about it? But I was tough on Russia with the sanctions and everything. But more importantly, he's building the biggest project they've ever done, the pipeline going through Europe into Germany. I got angry at Germany. I said, you know, you're giving them all the money. We're protecting you with NATO. And you're paying them billions of dollars a month for energy. And then we have to protect you from the people you're giving the billions of dollars to. Does this make sense? So we had a lot of fun with those countries because they've been ripping us off for a long time. But... I think we got one more bit of sound as well. Another soundbite from Donald Trump saying that he is, in fact, a threat to democracy because he's so grossly, grossly incompetent. And that really ultimately is the issue. Let's get that one up there as well. So Donald Trump, again, speaking over the weekend, making those points on policy, by the way which are interesting. He's kind of downplaying some of the threats, but then at the same time saying, hey, you know, you want to get along with them because they're problem actors. Uh, But he said something else, which I found pretty fascinating because it was effectively that the real threat to democracy can often come from incompetence. In other words, if you don't have somebody who can actually find their way out of a paper bag, and let's be honest, guys, I mean, I don't know if he can find his way out of a paper bag. I don't know if he can find his way to the podium. I don't know if he can find his way... to the bedroom every night. I mean, this is unfortunately, for better or for worse, you know, a guy that really and truly just is struggling in ways that one just didn't anticipate the president of the United States actually struggling with. I mean, wow. So I think we do have this. I want to show you this because here he is over the weekend talking about 
Donald Trump, that is, what the real threat, the real threat to democracy is. And oftentimes that is actual incompetence. In other words, if somebody doesn't have the right policy, if somebody can't actually speak, if somebody can't manage, and we know Biden can't manage. I mean, look, for goodness sakes, he didn't even know his defense secretary was out in the hospital for four days. My gosh. If he can't do that, then he is, in fact, the threat to democracy. Take a peek. Okay, maybe not. Okay, we'll we'll go back to that. I I promise you it's good. It's good. But I've just paraphrased it there for you in a pretty succinct way, I think. Basically, he said, I'm not the threat to democracy. He's out there saying, I'm the threat. I'm the threat. I'm the threat. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, listen, when you can't do your job, you're then the threat to democracy. And I think America gets that. I think America gets that. And so suddenly now, Joe Biden's got a big problem. You've seen the polls. I've shown you the polls. The Democrats have seen the polls. So what are they saying? Ah, here's Paul Begala. Attack, 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 attack. <laughs> We're going to go back to that, and I'm going to play you more of that because it's just so special and so important to hear. But that is the strategy. Attack, attack, attack. Seven times he says it. Attack, because what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do when you're faced with a president, a candidate that's so bad. I mean, I was saying to someone the other day, look, if I were a Democrat right now, you know what I would be doing? I would be forcing the guy to leave. I'd say, you can't run. And if you're going to run, guess what? We're going to primary you, buddy. I mean, this is what they should have done to Carter, right? Then we wouldn't have had Reagan. But they're setting themselves up for a total loser scenario in every way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm telling you, Donald Trump, these polls that show him up about 2.7%, I think the real clear politics average is, if you look at all of them overall, and you know that those polls are actually much stronger in his favor than you even see. Why? Because it's still sort of that hangover effect. People will call and say, hey, who are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote for Trump? Nobody actually wants to say, yes, I'm going to vote for Trump. So when you see him that far ahead, that's a special something right there because you know he's probably even further ahead. And then you look at the swing states. For goodness sakes, he's up everywhere, in some cases by 10 points in some of these swing states, everywhere except for Michigan, where it's pretty narrow, it's pretty close. So, hey, you could take, sorry, not Michigan, Wisconsin. Cheese, cheese, cheese. So Wisconsin is the only place where he's kind of neck and neck there. And it's like, look, you know, it's kind of game over at this point. So what are they going to do? The only thing they know how to do, they're going to fight with fire. They're going to fight in a very political way, in a way that is extremely divisive, They're going back to the racial well that Barack Obama was able to use so successfully. I mean, it's devastating because I look at it and say, hey, you know what? It was a great thing that we elected a a black president twice, by the way. But it's sure as heck disappointing that that president didn't do a lot more to bring us together as a country. Instead, he was a political animal who doubled down on division, 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 division. And you know what's amazing? The media lets all these guys get away with it. It's just sickening. He's down there. Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. He's down there in South Carolina, Joe Biden is. And he went to the site of that horrific, awful, awful attack that happened, by the way, under Barack Obama's presidency in 2015. He went there. And he said some pretty heinous stuff, if you ask me. I mean, he's out there justifying, justifying the Antifa 
and Black Lives Matter violent movements that we saw in the summer of 2020, none of that stuff was good. Listen very carefully to how he frames it. After the historic movement for justice in the summer of 2020, I signed the most significant police Historic movement for justice in the summer of 2020. Hey, guys, we have like those clips of summer of 2020. I remember, you know, there's like fire everywhere and somehow they're just saying, well, it's what mostly you a are seeing now, there these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations in the face of law enforcement. It wasn't until night fell that things began to get a little bit more contentious. Things were thrown back and forth. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a mostly a protest. Uh, it is not, uh, it is not generally speaking, unruly. But fires have... See, let me clear how I, let me be clear how I characterize this as a mostly peaceful movement. Is like buildings are going up in flames. Come on. I mean, wow. You want to talk about rewriting history, for goodness sakes. And now... Joe Biden's there in South Carolina fanning the flames, quite literally, because it wasn't just that that he said. He then started getting into, you know, life isn't fair. If you're black in America, it's just not fair because, well, you don't have the same economic opportunity no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, and no matter even if your house is built by the same guy, you're still going to have it be worth less because of the color. Listen to this. I mean, it's just it's really gross. So a home owned by today, a home owned by a black family on one side of a highway, built by the same builder on the other side of the highway, and a white guy living in it, the white guy's home is valued more than the black guy's. No, I, I know you know it, but guess what? That's how you build generational wealth. <sighs> so that's why you're going to vote for Joe Biden? That's why he thinks you're going to vote for him? This is, this is the tactic, Okay. Again, straight out of Obama's playbook, because Obama had lunch with him the other day. He said, this is what you need to do. You need to double down on some of these strategies. And he thinks that this is going to work. And I'm going to tell you, you know what? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And eventually they're going to realize this. And eventually they're going to actually take him out of the race, Mm -hmm. which is what the Wall Street guy is predicting. More on that in a moment. But this kind of sort of divisiveness. This is what we're trying to get away from America. I mean, what do you think just went down at Harvard University, for goodness sakes? What have we learned? We have learned that everybody deserves equal opportunity in this country. And sure, you know, some people have socioeconomic challenges, but for the most part, for the most part, I'm not saying a thousand percent this is the case, but for the most part, we're a pretty, we're a pretty good place to be. Right? That's why everybody wants to come here. Thank you very much. That's why we had 300,000 people show up in the month of December alone. That is why people want to come here because a capitalist country that embraces freedom and gives people these opportunities, that's not a racist country. I mean, you may want to go with that, Joe. And by the way, you know, you want to talk about somebody who doesn't talk the talk anymore. I've shown you in the past some of those videos. And remember, he was giving some award out and referred to a 50-some-odd-year-old black man as boy. I mean, he's done it more than once. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Not good. But it's pretty unbelievable that this is where they're going. Look, here's the reality. The polls show him down right across the board. 
And he's down even with the community that he would have expected, okay, would be there for him. He's down like 20 points. I mean, if you look at the NBC News November poll from this past year, so just a few months ago, right? November 21st, it came out. He showed a decline over the last year of about 20 points. So he had been up 47 points, plus 47 with the black community. Now he's up, what, point plus 27. So that's a huge decline. And there are plenty of other polls that are now showing Donald Trump has pulled ahead of him with the black community. So he's got to somehow convince the black community that they're in a lot of trouble with Donald Trump. He's got to somehow convince I don't know, everybody else, I guess, that it's the end of America, that this is going to be the, the, the end of our democracy as we know it. And he's going to use the media, let me be very clear, to help him in this attack line. Here's the full clip. I need you to see this guy from CNN, nice guy, Smart guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's saying, you know, this is how I think it's going to work. I mean, I would just say, look, you can try this. Go for it, buddy. It's not going to work. It's not going to work because, because ultimately Americans see through it. The only thing that's going to work is you're going to have to come up with a shiny new toy to distract everyone. You're going to have to get a new candidate. Wall Street knows it, but they're trying their best. They're trying their best. And, and Paul Begala, who's an analyst over on, on uh, CNN, he used to work on the Clinton campaign, he has a plan of attack. It's pretty simple. Overly simple. Watch him. President Biden needs to listen. He needs to ramp up the attacks. He did yesterday. He needs to stop running ads that say, I did a great job, and start running ads saying this guy is a threat. Democracy, to your abortion rights, to your Social Security, everything has to be Trump. Everything. I have a seven-step plan for Biden's reelection, And I, I, you can memorize them because I did them in alphabetical order. Attack, 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 attack. Hey, look, you don't even need to be creative, right, these days? You can just attack, attack. I mean, and this is exactly what is happening. So the media is like on cue, on cue. This, this you got to hear because it just blows you away. It was created by our friends over at Gravian. Great, great, great group there. Tom Elliott runs the place, and, and they get all kinds of sound from all sorts of places. And sometimes they put it together. I want to give them credit because this was very creative. Let's take a listen. Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. It's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. He's going to basically burn the house down. He will unravel the institutions of our democracy. Draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler. Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini. Makes Donald Trump even more dangerous. Wants to take away your vote. Senate and the House are immediately going to be paralyzed. People will begin in their minds to censor themselves. They might say, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. This is the end of democracy. Yeah. I think that could be the end of our democracy. But democracy is dead if Trump is reelected. <laughs> you scared yet? I mean, you better be, right? That's the intention. You got to be really, really scared. I mean, Michelle Obama is so scared. Michelle Obama is so scared she can't even sleep at night. Here she is. She just went out and did some podcast today and she wants you to know she's terrified. The things that yeah. keep me up because you you don't have control over them, mm -hmm. and you wonder 
where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter, who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. Okay, so Michelle Obama and Barack Obama are single-handedly probably with maybe a little help from the Clintons in the background, trying to save democracy, save America, and save poor Joe Biden's (laughs) you-know-what. But this is one you-know-what that can't be saved. (laughs) I mean, again, just look at any of the recent polling, and I would tell you that those poll numbers are kind of underwhelming because my hunch is, we've seen it every time before, Donald Trump tends to perform better on game day. So, If they can't convince America of this right now, if they can't convince America to be scared, if they can't convince America that Trump is effectively Hitler, which, by the way, CNN over the weekend on uh, that guy's show, uh, what's his name, Wallace, that used to be over at Fox, he had a lower third, that's what we call it in the industry, the graphic, and it said, should Biden go full-on Hitler. I mean, like, I don't even like saying these things. I mean, this is so bizarre. And this is, this is what they're doing. This is what they're trying to promote. And so somehow there's this idea that if Trump is elected, like you're going to be dead, you're going to be killed. You heard the clip. I, I mean, it's tremendously, one, irresponsible, two, not truthful, and three, will not work. Because Americans keep seeing through them. I mean, whether it be the laptop that they tried to tell us was fake when it turned out to be real, when they tried to tell us somehow that, you know, Hunter Biden couldn't possibly have done any of these things that it now appears he did in fact do, we're left saying, guys, you know, how do we, how do we know how to trust you? I mean, we can't trust you. And so if you can't trust the government and the government's like, well, as Michelle said, this kind of stinks because you know what, we can't control the situation, then Americans increasingly, including those in the middle, rebel. They don't want to be controlled by Uncle Joe or Uncle Sam. And so eventually, eventually, as we get closer to Super Tuesday, the Democrat Party is going to figure this out. I mean, again, if I were a Democrat right now, which I am not, technically I'm, I'm, I'm just an independent. Because, hey, I look at it and say, if the Democrats could ever get their act together and actually stand for the right things and stand for capitalism and cut taxes and stand for a strong military and and all the things that we need, right? Then, hey, I'd be willing. (laughs) I'm always willing. But right now, we have a Democrat Party that is so debilitated in every possible way that really is bordering, if you ask me, on being a socialist party. Well, that's a problem. And so they got bad policies and they've got a bad candidate, which leads us to this. So there was a report out recently by the guys over at JP Morgan and a very good report. Actually, Michael Sembolist, he's their sort of big market guru analyst there. And he's actually saying what I think we all already know. Biden's out. He will be out very soon, sometime before the votes are counted in November 2024. 
So he wrote this report, which yours truly read, all 49 pages of it. It was pretty good, actually. Some interesting stuff there. Some stuff I didn't agree with. Some stuff I thought was uh, quite interesting. And this was the highlight. Number three in his top ten surprises for... 2024. He did this in honor of Byron Wien. You know, Byron Wien was a very famous market strategist. I interviewed him many times. I actually didn't realize he had gotten to 90, but he did pass away just last year at the age of 90. And for like three decades, he would he would actually always put together sort of a top 10 list for the following year. Um, I actually don't think he was at J.P. Morgan. I think he was at Morgan Stanley and and a few other places. But in honor of Byron, because everyone on Wall Street loved Byron, he thought, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put together my top 10. And number three on the top 10 list was, quote, President Biden withdraws sometime between Super Tuesday and November election, citing health reasons. Biden passes the torch to a replacement candidate named by the Democrat National Committee. He went on to say that Biden has a low approval rating for a president with not such great job creation, right? About 10% since his inauguration, although that figure is the byproduct of his inauguration coinciding with the rollout of COVID vaccines and a reopening of the U.S. economy. So, you know, he's taken a lot of credit for stuff that really was just going to happen anyway. I mean, Larry Summers said this well. This is the former head of Harvard University they need him back there these days, but also the former Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton and then the head of the National Economic Council under Barack Obama. So not exactly a right winger. Larry Summers said, you know what? When we reopen after having been closed during COVID, it's going to be like Paris in September after a month off in August. Or it's going to be like summer Martha's Vineyard or Cape Cod after having been closed for the winter. We are going to be gangbusters again. Larry was right. Larry warned the Fed not to do what the Fed did. But, you know, you can't get in the way of those central bankers that want to somehow manipulate our economy any which possible way. But so J.P. Morgan, I think it's really interesting. They're just coming out and saying it. They're like, he's not going to there. There's no way this guy is actually going to be there. And I do actually agree with them. I don't know how they run him. Careful what you wish for though, guys, right? Because I do think he's quite beatable by Donald Trump. And I think Donald Trump's policies from an economic standpoint, from a foreign relations standpoint, and from a border standpoint would be advantageous for America right now. You don't want the policies of the Biden administration. You certainly don't want the policies of Gavin Newsom out there, but Gavin Newsom could be that shiny toy that nobody really knows, and they won't have a lot of time to vet him if he comes in so late. So that could be the thinking. I don't think Kamala will like it very much, though, passing over the black woman for Gavin Newsom. We'll see. But Wall Street, Wall Street has money on these things, right? So when they come out with a report like that, even if it is, one of the big banks. I think it's an interesting thing to see. I, I, I just, I, I'm amazed at how badly this presidency has gone. I mean, I told you it would be bad, right? I told you and I told you and I told you. I said it would be like Carter 2.0. And it is Carter 2.0, it, but it's worse. Like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, Carter seemed like a nice guy. This guy doesn't necessarily seem like a nice guy, Joe Biden, that is. And not only is he not a nice guy, he's so unbelievably clueless that he doesn't even know when his defense secretary 
isn't showing up for work. I mean, we're kind of in the middle of something, right? I mean, you get the Ukraine-Russia thing going on, you get Gaza and Israel, and somehow the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, is not at work. You know, the New York Post had a great, 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 great title for its editorial board piece. They said, how could President Biden not notice his defense secretary was missing? I mean, I was saying the same thing. Like, how do you know? You know what? I I have a small team here. We all work very closely together. If somebody's just like MIA, I, I would notice, right? Like, I would notice and I would say, hey, what's going on today? And somehow the president is so hands off despite these major conflicts, that no one knows that Lloyd Austin is in the hospital for four days. I mean, incredible, incredible stuff. And then think about the fact that, oh my gosh, I mean, Hicks, the deputy, like she didn't even know. And then there's this one, our Cracker Jack Secretary of State. He didn't even know. And then he admitted it. Oh my gosh, watch. With uh, regard to Secretary Austin, I wasn't aware of his um, uh, medical issue. Uh, in fact, I, I talked to, to Lloyd last weekend uh, before this incident, um, and I know that he's put out a statement addressing it. Um, what I can say is this. It has been, it remains one of the great privileges of my career over 30 years now working in, in government uh, to serve alongside Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin. He is an extraordinary leader for this country, in uniform and now out of uniform. And it's been a highlight of my service to be able to serve alongside him. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing him fully uh, recovered and um, working side by side uh, in the year ahead. Okay, so we don't even know why Lloyd Austin was in the hospital. Apparently, this is at Walter Reed. It was an elective surgery, and we don't know why. And I get it. You know, you're a private person, but I'm sorry. You're the Secretary of Defense, and even if you don't want to broadcast it out to the American people, shouldn't the Secretary of State know? Shouldn't the President know? Maybe the Vice President? I mean, hey, maybe your deputy should know. I'm just going out on a limb. But as the New York Post put it, how the heck did the president not know that the defense secretary was just gone all week? Really weird. Really, really, really weird. I mean, talking about asking the obvious questions here. But you combine all this stuff and you think about the fact that he's obviously not a good CEO. He can't run a team. He can't run a campaign. He can't run any policies. We've got 300,000 people coming into the country just last month. Those are the number of people that they actually apprehended at the border, the most ever, the most ever. And why? Because they don't know how much longer Joe Biden's going to be there, right? Like, you better take the opportunity while you can, so to speak. So you get all these people pouring in. You get kind of a lousy jobs report. I'm just going to tell you, 216,000 jobs being added to the economy, like really nothing to write home about. I know that they're all psyched about wages going up more than 4%, but that's really not great either. It's just not great because, well, You know what? That means inflation. Wage growth is going to put pressure on upwards pressure on prices. And you're going to have more inflation, which is frankly inevitable. 
I mean, I just think it's inevitable at this point. I mean, one of the things I sort of disagreed with was the stability of the U.S. dollar that Byron Weens, in his memory, uh, the report from Michael Sembolist was talking about. I mean, I, I would like to think that the U.S. dollar is going to remain stable, but I actually think it's going to be worth sort of increasingly less in the coming months, coming years. I mean, it's one of the reasons why some people are looking at diversifying their portfolios, diversifying into things like gold. Our good friends over at Legacy Precious Metals, one 589 They're the ones you need to call if you're interested in looking at something like gold. Because, I don't know, the Fed, what are they going to do? How's the Fed ever going to move on interest rates and hike interest rates ahead of an election? I mean, they really can't. They should have done a while back. They didn't. They should have taken Larry Summers' advice a while back. And, di- and they didn't. They just printed money, printed money, printed money. And now they get the White House saying, you better keep printing money. You better not stop or else we're going to get blamed with the bad economy. So we are where we are. But, you know, you think about the economy that we're in. And there are still amazing success stories. There have always been amazing success stories. And I just want to take a minute and tell you, because I came across a new podcast and uh you know i I, i've become a podcast consumer right as a result of this i'll tell you the media industry really really is changing in mega ways just in absolute total mega ways by the way reminder make sure you subscribe make sure that you comment i know we're in a live show i'm going to go out to some of your comments and questions in just a minute But uh, this whole podcasting thing, it's pretty tremendous. And I came across a podcast I just wanted to tell you guys about that's really amazing. It features great success stories, success stories, people that have overcome all kinds of odds. And, you know, I like that. I like that because it feels very American to me. It feels very patriotic. Those that overcome odds are really, really sort of embracing the spirit of America. So there's all kinds of stories on the podcast. By the way, it's called Our American Stories. That's the name of it. Go look for it. Stories about America's past and present, the art, sports, business, all kinds of things, right? Because there are wonderful stories out there in all walks of life, in all industries, in terms of the innovation and adventure that America has embraced. I mean, I I love this show and I love hearing these stories. So I wanted to tell you about it each and every day. Our American stories, it tells the stories of all these different Americans. I mean, there's no debate. There's no news. You got to come here for that, right? You got to come here for that. But it's stories about the men and women who built this country. And sometimes as we cover the news, we, we lose sight of that. And I think it's important. It's like a gut check. Let's go back to what we are, who we were, and who we want to be. And this show really helps you do that. Every day you're going to find about three or four stories that are inspiring, they're entertaining, and it's everything from, I don't know, how the Constitution came to be to, I think I heard something on NASCAR. Did you, did you know that was related, the inception of NASCAR was actually related to bootlegging? Pretty amazing. There's a story about Abraham Lincoln in his very last day, his very last day of life. There's another one on Henry Ford who you know, obviously was an incredible innovator. I like some of these business stories, but there's there's something for everyone. I mean, from Harriet Tubman's remarkable story to the Godfather producers and how that movie came to be, it is all there. So I want to encourage you, I urge you to find this podcast. It's called Our American Stories. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. Hopefully you have made sure that you have subscribed to this 
one as well, right? Make sure we want to keep Trish in your feed as well. But our American stories, it's really, it's a really neat show, lovely show. And I wanted to flag that for you. Let's get back to the markets right now because we've had kind of a down day on Wall Street. Um, Maybe uh, people are coming to the reality that, you know what, this message that Biden is trying to push courtesy of you know what? We've turned around. There you go. What do you know? Another day, another dollar. We're actually up today. We are up six tenths of a percent. So there you go. Okay. 216 points. We're killing it. Hey, what do you know? Uh, the 10 year yield at 4% right now. So that's come down just a touch. I'd like to think maybe actually they read the report. Maybe they read the JP Morgan report and they're like, aha. Okay, good. Biden's not going to run. <laughs> So they're bidding the market up. Uh, we've got 1.4% growth on the S&P 500 right now. And so, again, market looking pretty good today. Oil prices coming down slightly. Gold at $2,032 an ounce. We get silver at $2,328. And, again, the yield on the 10-year just over 4% right now. I want to turn to another story that's in the news. Do you have any Taylor Swift fans out there? I don't know how many Swifties here. <laughs> I didn't think so, right? Let me, let me look at those comments. All right. So Taylor Swift showed up at the Golden Globes Awards last night. I really don't like these award shows. I mean, I really don't like them. I kind of detest them. And I think part of my reason for, well, I'm not in that industry, number one, right? It's Hollywood. And I don't really care that much about the clothes. And it's just as easy. Like, if you want to see what everybody was wearing, you can just look online. Why do I have to sit through this whole long, boring show? And they always have these terrible comedians, it seems. And the comedians keep getting worse and worse and worse. And especially nowadays, right? Because they want to be this, that, and the other to everybody. And they found somebody, I guess, who they thought was this, that, and the other to everybody. I have no idea who this guy is. Now I do. His name is Joe Coy. I mean, I still don't really know who he is. And I thought maybe I was the only one. I checked around with a bunch of friends, and they said, no, they didn't know either. And one of my friends who's like a big deal radio broadcaster said he had no idea. And not only did he have no idea, he was listening to a New York station with another big deal radio broadcaster, and they had no idea. So, okay, so this is not just Trish not staying up on her pop culture. Nobody knew who this person was until last night, Joe Coy. Well, he started making some jokes, and let me just say, like, um, they didn't go over so well. No, no, no. They, they, they definitely didn't go over so well. Um, certainly not with Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, who missed a, a football game to be there at the Golden Globes, and she was flying solo, and he kind of gave her a little dig. I mean, look, you know what? You got to expect this, I guess. You know, you're Taylor Swift, just like Will Smith should have expected something coming at him. But Taylor seemed kind of perturbed when her name came up. She had a stunning green dress on, by the way, just absolutely beautiful. Let's watch. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to. Here. Sorry about that. She's like, whatever. whatever. Right? Oopsie. On the audio. Hope that didn't create too much of an echo for you. But funny, right? She's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. So they either got her at a weird moment 
and there was a delay in the reaction shot or she was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, don't bring me into this. Don't bring me to, I'll tell you, no one was laughing at his jokes though the entire night. So maybe it was just part of the thing. Maybe she was just getting kind of tired of having to listen to this guy's monologue. So here's another little clip. You, you tell me if you think it's funny. I mean, he got kind of desperate. He had to like talk about Robert De Niro in hopes that, you know, maybe, maybe somebody would give him a little applause. Watch. The key moment in Barbie is when she goes from perfect beauty to bad breath, cellulite, and flat feet. Ah, or what casting directors call character actor. <laughs> some I wrote, some other people wrote. Robert De Niro's here. Yo, I got the gig 10 days ago. You want a perfect monologue? Yo, shut up. You got, you're kidding me, right? Slow down. I wrote some of these, and they're the ones you're laughing at. Look. So, so what was that? Like some kind of desperate move? I wrote some of these? What does he mean I wrote some of these? So is he, uh, he's trying to get somebody. Those are the ones that people are laughing at. I mean, he like comes right out and says it. He's like, nobody's laughing at my jokes. Nobody's laughing at my jokes. Maybe because they're just... Well, you know, these things, they're just not that funny, and you have to be so worried about what you're saying, right? Because you can't offend anyone. I mean, clearly, he offended Taylor. So can we see that shot again? I just want to see her face. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to. Here. Sorry about that. Like she wasn't even listening. She didn't even hear him. Like he's that boring that nobody's listening. She like went to another place in her head, right? <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to this comedian guy. But, but at least she didn't pull a Will Smith. I mean, unless this is like the Taylor Swift icy version of what Will Smith did. Remember that one? I mean, that was the most exciting award show ever when this thing happened, right? Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh-oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Okay. No wonder they can't get anybody to anchor these shows anymore. No wonder they can't get any comedian. Like, after that one, right? You're like, I'm putting my life in my hands here. That was so weird, by the way. Don't you guys think? I mean, it was so weird. Because it... I looked at it and I'm like, wow, are they this desperate for ratings that they're actually going to pull a charade like that? I thought at first, like both these guys are in on it because it had this weird sound effect. One of the things they teach you in theater class, like when I took a theater class in high school and they were like, okay, you're going to learn how to do this fake slap. And that was the other thing. It was like a slap. It wasn't really like a punch. And does anybody really like a guy? Like, is he going to go up and slap another guy? It was just all so weird. I was like, okay, they must really be desperate for ratings now. And they're really trying to pull something. But it wasn't. It, it, it was apparently all quite real. And if you look at Will Smith during that, like, he was laughing. He's having a good time. Way better time than Taylor Swift was having. And he's laughing. And, like, suddenly it's all fine. He looks over at his wife. And she's not appreciating the humor one bit and then he just goes waltzing up onto stage and it was so weird i mean 
wow. And of course, you know, he got to stay and collect his award, which by the way, that was a really good movie. Um, if you didn't see it, it was the movie about the Williams sisters. You know, we were just talking about the podcast of these great American stories. And I know that, you know, maybe whether you like them or not, I mean, it's a tremendous story. It was King Richard, I think, that he wound up getting nominated for on that one. So really just uh, t- tragic that he had to be such a jerk, I guess, at the end. Um, Abel, good to see you again. I'm just looking. Don, uh, my my wonderful friend, Don, who is always here and always reminding you guys to subscribe and always reminding you to like, and then causes me to actually remind you of that too. So we're up to, what are we at guys? Like 177,000. We are nearly 178. So thank you, David. It is good to see you. Uh, So many of you, Ian as well. I see some members here. You get those blue stars next to your name. We just started this actually on YouTube. We're kind of thinking like how we're going to, what do we want to do with it? Like we should, we could have like private conversations, maybe just like a feed just for us. We're also talking about uh, Ian. I like that. Tristies. Yes. The Tristies. Do we have just a little, uh, a thing for us Tristies here, or maybe, 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 um, certain, certain videos that are just for you guys. So I just want to say thank you. I appreciate that support. I appreciate seeing so many blue stars next to those names. Leslie, of course, uh, who's become kind of a dear friend because she is always here. And as well, Alphonse, who sends me great story ideas. So Alphonse, keep them coming. Keep them coming. I love the Tristies. Thank you. Thank you. Really good to see you guys. I mean, I, I, I just, I, Don's pointing it out. Okay, Don's got an urgent call. He said, we are stuck. We are stuck on 177 Reaganites or Trishtis. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do. Thank you for that, Don. I really do appreciate it. Listen, it's great to see all of you. I don't care how big or small. I mean, obviously it's nice to be big, right? But I got to tell you, it's just important right now that we have some way of communicating and that we have some way of getting the message out. What you're about to see I gave you a little preview of what you're about to see politically speaking is going to be, I think, really uncomfortable. And there's going to be less opportunity for people like me that have a message that may differ from what the mainstream media is trying to sell you. It's going to become more challenging. So I say this just in an urgent way to really encourage you to subscribe. We also are coming out with a brand new website, trishreganmedia.com. So you can go over there, you can sign up for my email if you haven't already, and we have, again, another direct connection to one another. I think that this is going to be a very trying time in the country. I suspect that ultimately the J.P. Morgan analyst is right on his call for the top 10 surprises of 2024. I do not know how they run. President Biden in the condition that he is in. I also don't know how they bypass a black woman like Kamala Harris, who's waiting in the wings for this big opportunity and keeps telling everyone, I'm here, I'm here, I can do it. I don't think she can. I don't think she has either the political capability or frankly, dare I say that the strategic intelligence to really be able to pull off that job in a great way. So I am not a Kamala fan in that sense. I'm not a Joe Biden fan. 
I'm definitely not a Gavin Newsom fan, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to issue this as kind of a warning. You know what? If they get Gavin out there and they bring him in late, as if they bring him in very, very late, he looks good. He's got an attractive family. It's going to seem like, oh, you know what? Like sunshine and roses and happiness. But don't be fooled by that either. Because this is someone who literally just last week announced his introduction of health care for all in the state of California, of which there are some 760,000 unregistered, undocumented people. So this is going to be an enormous cost for the state of California to the tune of at least $2 billion. Many, including myself, believe that that is an underestimated figure. Gavin Newsom is introducing this, and it's wild because, of course, you'd come here. Why not? I mean, why wouldn't you come here? Now you're being promised free health care on top of it all? Look, I know that people migrate for different reasons, including, of course, poverty. But to come here because of poverty and say it's asylum, date 10, 15 years into the future, all while California is giving you handouts. I'm sorry, like the, the state of California can't handle it. They already have $68 billion debt. That's with a B, okay? $68 billion. And now they're going to add another two. It just keeps on going. So he has made it very clear. Just look at the population numbers. I mean, everybody's moving to Florida or Texas or even New Hampshire, for that matter. Live free or die New Hampshire. He made it very clear. He doesn't have a clue on economic policy. He has only a clue about political policy. And already in parts of California, like in Berkeley, you have undocumented migrants voting in local elections. So there's a lot of discussion about whether that's the ultimate goal. AOC out today effectively saying that I am going to bring you that sound tomorrow. We're going to have a deep dive discussion on that because you, you want to understand their motives. I don't, I mean, look, hey, I got to tell you this, if this is their motive, the reality is people that are here legally that are Hispanic and that will be voting, guess what? They like Trump. There's a study out just the other day, not a study, a poll, the USA Today Suffolk poll, where you saw Hispanics overwhelmingly now intend to vote for Trump. So that that could backfire them on, on them pretty spectacularly, but nonetheless, they're causing a lot of chaos in the interim. The question really does become, if Michael Sembolest is right from J.P. Morgan and Joe Biden does not run in 2024, who are they going to put up? I'm curious. Let me know. Let me know in, in your comments there below. I mean, who do who you think? I think Kamala, easy. You beat Kamala all day long. You beat Biden all day long. Gavin could be tougher. I, I agree. Luella Malone, horrible. Totally, totally, totally horrible. But he's got a bit of a package thing going on, right? Like he, he, he kind of just got the slick back hair, this, that, and the other. David, David, I'm going to be on tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Let's hope for that. Let's shoot for that. But, you know, I, I get so carried away with everything that's going on, I have to show it all to you. <laughs> so it takes us a while to assemble it all. But let's shoot for two. And that would be uh, ideal. Ideally, we'd like to be doing that every single day, same time, because I know it's good for you and it's good for me and it's good for the team if we have that kind of consistency. Thank you. Alphonse, that's an interesting idea. Interesting, interesting, interesting idea. He's writing in the chat right now that he believes it will be Michelle Obama. We can talk about that a bit tomorrow as well, because... Her biographer believes that. 
Her biographer, in fact, believes that. And she could look like she's absolutely saving the party and then they still have a black woman. Uh, It's an interesting point, Alphonse. There are a lot of people that think that is going to happen. We shall see. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I see some just joining us right now. I'm sorry I'm going to run, but I thank you for being here. And let's catch up tomorrow again. Lots of news happening. Make sure to subscribe to the Apple iTunes podcast as well. Go over to Apple. Make sure you get the podcast there. I'll see you tomorrow.